Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I went to a very diverse high school, and I always had such a diverse group of friends. And I knew that if I was going to create a product line, I didn't want to create products that only worked for me. I wanted products that worked for all my family members, all of my friends. So diversity also became really at the center of creating this brand, and I really wanted to do something different and create products that someone like you or me or anyone could identify as being their brand. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty Podcast, everybody. Hi, Carlene. Hey, Jill. Ooh, you're accessorized <laughs> today. Yeah, we're twinning. Let's tell everybody about our new accessory. All right. A little behind the scenes mm-hmm. here. Jill and I are wearing some very fancy Bose headphones. Yes. They were supplied to us by Amazon. Thank you, Amazon. Yes. So now when guests come into the studio... Mm-hmm. Every single one of us is going to be able to hear ourselves on the mic. And that's not how it was before. Yeah. That's why some of our guests would go off the mic over here. They'd turn their head over yeah. here. Yeah. And they couldn't hear themselves. Yeah. So this has you guys are going to get way better quality sound from us. And these headphones came so fast. So thank Yay. you. Thank you so much. And as a side note to that, um, we do have an Amazon storefront. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to let everybody know we're slowly but surely populating it with the products that we mentioned on this show. Everybody's asking us... Where to buy stuff Mm -hmm. and so we have created that storefront so you can check us out if you search breaking beauty podcast yeah and true transparency they they are affiliate they are affiliate links so we're going to be getting a little bit of cash money for that that we can put back into the production of this podcast yes so uh, check it out if you want to and Mm -hmm. we can link to it in our show notes as well and as always any product that we talk about on the show it's linked on our blog uh, at breakingbeautypodcast.com so we got a little house, housekeeping out of the way. Now we're going to tell you where the idea came from. Yes. <laughs> Our guest today, her name is Nancy Twine. Mm-hmm. She is the founder of Brio Geo. It is the fastest growing hair care brand at Sephora. It only launched in 2013. Yeah. Nancy is killing the game out there. But when she came into our studio, quote unquote studio, first thing she did was whip out her own headphones and was like, where do I plug in? And that is the first time that's happened in Breaking Beauty history. I think it's because she's done a couple podcasts and she knows. Yeah. And we'll get into it later in the episode, but she's she has a background in in voice and singing. And so she's like, duh, I got to hear myself for anything that I'm doing. Yeah. We're just sitting there going, you're reek. Yeah. (laughs) Oops. 
<laughs> maybe it would be helpful if everybody could hear themselves on the mic but that's just one way that she's ahead of the game I yes. think so Nancy's personal background she is a University of Virginia alum mm-hmm. she worked at Goldman Sachs on Wall Street on Wall Street for many mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. so she's got this finance background and she's just so whip smart yeah. like she came in she's just so impressive I think it's just the combination of mm-hmm. like her personal interest in beauty and like what she learned from her family growing up and then having that finance background and then also um, growing up in Long Island and like having all of these really diverse friends around her. It just all culminated Mm -hmm. into this brand Briogeo. Right. Um, and I think that's why it's just taken off. And I think what's it's really interesting is like she draws attention to the fact that she wanted to create a clean, natural hair care brand. The, the white space was obvious, isn't mm-hmm. it? When you look back, it's like there was yeah. nothing out there that really was inclusive right. for hair care. And it's not just in one aisle if you have this kind of hair and another aisle if you have this kind of hair. This is yeah. like for everybody yeah. and exactly. every hair texture. And it's clean. Yeah, because we were seeing a sort of this clean movement happen in skincare mm-hmm. before hair care. And so I think that was really smart that she jumped on that. She's going to talk about how she defines that for yeah. her own brand later in this episode. She's six free. Mm-hmm. So some of the usual suspects like sulfates and yeah. silicones and parabens. And she will get into the, uh, the rest of those details a little later. Yeah, Before we talk about the bestseller, I yeah. have a little confession to make. What? I did not know how to pronounce this brand mm-hmm. because I was reading it on like so many influencers influencers posts and yeah. I saw it in like FabFitFun boxes and yeah. I it took a while to understand that it's pronounced Briogeo. I was saying like Brigio, <laughs> Briogeo, like yeah, I had no idea. This is what happens with made up names when you're searching for a URL in yeah. a URL filled world. <laughs> but we actually asked Nancy about that and she says that Brio is the Italian word for life and Geo is the Latin word for earth so it goes really nicely together. Brio Geo everybody. So yeah getting into that uh, bestseller I love it when we're covering a brand where the bestseller is something that's already in my makeup bag or on my top shelf or in my shower. Yes. And that happened with Brio Geo when I discovered their bestseller. It's the Brio Geo Don't Despair Repair Deep Conditioning Mask. It retails for $36 US for around eight ounces. And that's about 50 bucks Canadian. And um, I got it in my Sephora loot bag when we went or swag bag rather Mm -hmm. when we went to the event last year. And they loaded us up with so many, so many great products. And that was one of them. And it's been a staple in my shower ever since I use it one time a week. So for regular listeners, you might know that I went on this big long hair dye journey. (laughs) I started with like black hair pretty much eventually transitioned into being like a bleach blonde and now I'm now I'm like a mixed blonde but I still have like really dry damaged brittle hair from all of the processing right and, so, I, and I think some of the main ingredients are like rosehip oil argan oil there's um, algae algae in it as well and probably one of the biggest buzziest ingredients that's in it is actually biotin right which many people are familiar with as a supplement if you take it to strengthen your nails strengthen your hair yeah and I think she's coming out with something some pretty big news around that right yeah so later on this year Briogeo will be launching some supplements 
supplements. And so this is part of their Be Well line. Okay. Um, so obviously, this is going to be um, helping you to uh, maintain the health of your hair from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And so she's going to give us the hot scoop on that uh, a little bit later on in the episode. So we wanted to get to know Nancy better on a personal level, um, as we like to do with founders on our show. And she's going to share her personal secrets to blow drying her hair in under 12 minutes flat. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to tell us all about the surprising connection that she has to Kelly Clarkson. And she's also going to get personal with us about the moment that she decided to trade in her Wall Street job to risk it all and create her own business. We're going to start our conversation hearing about Nancy's childhood growing up in Long Island, which would serve as the ultimate inspiration for Brio Gio down the road. I'm Nancy Twine. I'm the founder and CEO of Briogeo Hair Care. Um, I currently live in Union Square, New York City, and I grew up in Long Island, New York. And tell us about growing up in Long Island. What was what was your childhood like? I grew up um, primarily in a single parent home um, with my mom and my older brother. He's about six years older than me. And I can't believe it, but he actually works for me now at Briogeo, which is the craziest (laughs) thing ever. If anyone would have told me growing up that uh, my brother Chauncey would be working for me, I'd be like, no way. (laughs) Um, But it's actually working out really, really well. I went to a small private Lutheran school in Long Island. There were only 70 people in my graduating class. And so what were you passionate about as like when you were growing up? What did you do like after school? And Yeah, so I was a very ambitious teen. Mm-hmm. Um, I had so many jobs. I was I was babysitting. I was work- my first job was at Forever 21. I was a telemarketer um, because so much of the things that I wanted, like my own car or to be able to buy my own clothes or, uh, to go out to the movies with my friends, um, I needed to use my own money. So I didn't get an allowance or a stipend. So everything I made, um, I used to do the things that I wanted. So it was really, um, kind of that transition into independence for me being able to work. Um, and I started working at 14, but I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit in that I always, Um, really kind of cherished the idea of being able to create my own products, um, but then also validate that they were great products because people actually wanted to buy them. Um, So when I was younger, I remember Clueless, the movie, um, was really, really popular and everyone at school was, you know, dressing like um, those three. And I remember one of the kind of cool things that everyone wanted were those feather pins. And at mm-hmm. the time, this was like pre-Etsy and pre-eBay, um, you know, and you couldn't get them. Um, so I went to Michael's, and I got pins and ribbons and feathers and charms, and I literally made those pens, and I was selling them at school. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of um, my entrepreneurial journey in college. I actually started an online jewelry company. Um, I would make products with my mom at home. Um, and yeah, we would just sell all sorts of stuff. And it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true that you made, started making your first batch of products when you were only five? Um, so I was a little bit older than that, actually. But when I was um, younger, um, I would watch my mom make a lot of her own beauty products. It's really interesting. My mom was one of eight children. Um, she grew up in rural West Virginia. 
um, also in a single parent home. And my grandmother was just super thrifty and would basically stretch the little bits of products that she had by blending in her own essential oils and extracts. Uh, My mom was a chemist and she made so many of her own um, face creams and body scrubs. And when I got to an age where I could kind of appreciate, you know, what she was doing, um, I took a lot of fascination in it, especially because when I was growing up, I had such unruly, naturally curly hair. And at the time, there were very few products that actually catered to my hair texture type. So I had no choice but to create a lot of my own solutions. And that was Mm -hmm. kind of my first foray into uh, creating my own natural products. And so tell us, like, fast forward a little bit about college. Like, how did you decide, I want to go into finance? Like, you seem like you have that entrepreneurial spirit. Was there any other path that sort of appealed to you or? Yeah, well, it was it was really interesting because when I went to college, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And um, I mentioned I was I started getting really into music um, in high school in my senior year. Um, I was actually recording music in a studio and I just got like such a high from that experience. And I was really aspiring to be like a pop star. I actually tried out for the first season of American Idol. You did not. Yeah, so that was the season that Kelly Clarkson won. Um, and Justin Greeny, who was like the runner up, was actually in my um, initial tryout group. And um, but it was tough. I mean, there was so much great talent. And I think from that experience, I realized that I really needed to grow as an artist to even compete with most of the people who were trying out for American Idol. Um, so I remember when I went to school, um, I really sought out music opportunities. So I was taking music classes. I was in a, a hip hop acapella group. Um, before Glee. Yes, before just- <laughs> Glee, exactly. And then I remember joining all of these different music groups and I was like, oh my gosh, people are so talented. Like I went to a really small high school. I was one of 70. So I was like the most talented out of that 70. But then going to a big school like the University of Virginia, I was like, wow. I was like, there are so many people that are better than me. And I think it actually kind of put things in perspective that if I was going to really pursue music, I had a lot of like growing that I needed to do fundamentally as an artist. So I think I started getting a little realistic about what other alternatives I could pursue with my career. And um, one of the cool things about University of Virginia is they have a really good undergraduate business school. So you could literally like go to business school as an undergraduate student. And um, I think business appealed to me because it was the closest thing that kind of tied me back to my passion for entrepreneurism, being able to create, being able to sell. And I actually somehow just through fate, I had landed an internship at an investment bank um, during one of the summers while I was at UVA. And that kind of introduced me to the world of finance and learning that like banks were much more than just, you know, ATM machines and like, you know, depositing checks. And there was this kind of whole uh, complex world of finance. Um, So that ultimately inspired um, my track towards pursuing a finance major and ultimately kind of led me into the first part of my career, Mm -hmm. which was working in finance. Mm -hmm. And so New York, was it just calling you or... Yeah. So, you know, growing up in the suburbs of Long Island, I remember, you know, it was like a big deal when me and my friends would take a train into Manhattan. And it was like, oh, my gosh, we had to get like permission from our parents. And it was just such a cool, vibrant, happening place where just like everything was possible. Anything you wanted was there. Anything you wanted to do. 
Um, so it was this very magical, aspirational place for me when I was growing up. But then it was also the epicenter of, you know, finance uh, with so many of the banks being there. Um, so kind of pursuing that finance track um, led me back to New York City. And it was such an exciting journey for me to be on because I kind of had full control of my life by that time. No more like, you know, permission slips right. and, you know, telling my you know mom where I was. It was like, wow, I was in control of my life in one of the coolest cities in the world. Yeah, so cool. So how did you, um, you're like, you're working on Wall Street after that, or you'd graduate and you're like, Wall Street, that's it for me. This is where I'm going to go. Yeah. So after uh, doing my summer internship right after my junior year, I actually got a full-time offer from Goldman Sachs, which was the bank that I was working at. And that was kind of a big deal because going back to school that senior year, all of my friends were so stressed out about where they were going to work and what they were going to do. And I was kind of like coasting. I was like, I have a job. This is awesome. Um, so it kind of landed in my lap. I mean, I had to work really, really hard. It was a competitive process. I think that there were like 250 interns that summer. Um, and it was definitely um, quite an experience. You had to make an impression and um, you had to uh, be liked by the teams and also, you know, prove that you um, could do the job. And I had passed that kind of 10 week long test during the internship process. So I landed a job. Um, so it was kind of set for me what my future was going to look like after graduating. So I had been working um, at Goldman uh, full time for three years, um, and it was April of 2010. Um, I actually lost my mom really suddenly and tragically in a car incident. She was struck by a car and killed instantly. Oh my gosh! I'm so, um, so sorry. And it was the first time that I had ever really lost someone so close to me without being able to be kind of mentally prepared for it. Like it totally mm -hmm. caught me off guard. Um, and it really changed my perspective on life because I think I just kind of assumed it's like, you know, you grow old, you get married, you have kids, you retire someday, you like, I just kind of thought like life just was this, you know, um, sequence of events for like 90 years and then, um, but it wasn't and losing someone so close so suddenly changed my risk perspective on life. Um, and it made me realize that life can be short and life is such a gift. And um, it's so important to maximize um, that gift to the fullest extent by doing what you're most passionate about. Um, and so even though I was really grateful for the opportunity to be working in finance, to make some good money right out of school, um, I wasn't excited about what I was doing. Um, and actually many nights I would come home and I would cry. Like, it's actually really sad. I remember the past, you know, few months leading up to my mom's death. I feel like we spoke so much on the phone about like kind of how miserable I was. And I was literally like crying to her every single night. And um, so it was after her passing that um, I started doing a lot of soul searching to figure out what it was I wanted to do. And um, I remember kind of going through all of my mom's stuff um, as we were packing things away. And my mom was actually in the process of starting her own skincare line, wow. which I thought was so cool. Like she had packaging developed. She had wow. like professional photos. And I was so inspired and so kind of intrigued by what she was doing to like start her own beauty business um, that ultimately kind of light bulbs went off in my head um, about kind of returning to my family roots and 
um, creating my own beauty product line. And that was kind of the impetus for what became the next stage of the journey. Um, and you chose hair. So tell us about, cause I mean, you could have maybe picked up skincare, right? So yeah. tell us about that thought process. So I was very methodical, um, in, in doing all of this because I knew quitting such a good paying job at Goldman Sachs was a big risk. And if I was going to do it, I wanted there to be a high likelihood that it would succeed. So there, there was a bit of a recession or a downturn at that time too, right? Oh yeah. And that's part of the reason why I, I ended up staying um, at Goldman for so long was because, you know, during the first year of um, being on Wall Street, Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns went under. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so many of um, my friends at the time were losing their jobs. And I just felt like I needed to stay put. So yeah, it was a very, very challenging time. Um, but, um, I knew I had to put a business plan together. Like I needed to make sure that this idea of mine actually made sense. Um, so I started spending a lot of time at the small business library in New York city where you can get access to tons of research reports that you would otherwise have to pay thousands of dollars for. Um, and tip guys, yeah, is this like Mintel reports and things like that? All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, It was, it was actually pretty incredible. So it's like on 34th street and Madison Avenue and all you need is a library card and you get access to all this stuff. And at the time, so this was like 2010, 2011, um, some of these different, um, you know, industry report companies were starting to publish on the natural personal care market. Mm. Um, but so much of the, uh, reporting was really focused on mass brands. Um, they were kind of leading the way at the time in, um, creating, you know, natural body care, makeup, skincare products. And there were a couple of things that I observed, which was number one, most of the competition was focused in mass. So there was very little talk about prestige brands, um, really starting to make a name for themselves and clean. So that was a white space opportunity. Um, and then the next opportunity that I saw was that there was very few mentions of, uh, just solely hair care, uh, focused companies, mm-hmm. uh, creating products and clean. So sometimes you would have like these conglomerate brands that were doing like, you know, body washes, um, face creams, maybe a shampoo and conditioner, but no one was really focused on hair. Yeah, you're totally um, right. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, really, when you think about it compared to skincare, it's, there's a lot less. It's always an afterthought. Yeah. Somehow. And especially in styling products. Mm-hmm. But I digress. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very true. Um, and then the other thing was just something that I had noticed, which was, you know, I have a very diverse background. I actually did Ancestry DNA a couple of years ago you and did? it was so cool to Do see. Tell. Yeah. Um, so like 70% of my heritage is from West Africa. Another 30% is from Great Britain and like Ireland. And then the balance is from West Asia. Um, And it was so cool just to kind of see all of the specific countries and, you know, my heritage. And then I went to a very diverse high school and I always had such a diverse group of friends. And I knew that if I was going to create a product line, I didn't want to create products that only worked for me. I wanted products that worked for all my family members, all of my friends. So diversity also became really at the center of creating this brand. And I really wanted to do something different and create products that someone like you or me or anyone could identify as being their brand. And I just thought the idea of that was really cool Mm -hmm. because it didn't exist at the time. Um, So diversity, clean, focus on hair became like the three pillars of Riogio. Mm -hmm. So you set out from the very beginning to just be like, 
this is something for everybody, but I feel like there was a little bit of pushback or people didn't understand right away that you were for everybody. Yeah. And I think part of that was because of me. I'm a woman of color. Um, and I think, you know, just people seeing me um, making hair care products, they just thought that Briogeo was for women of color. Mm. Um, so that's why it was really important early on that through our visual assets and our messaging, we were showing women of different ethnicities, different hair texture types. When I would train on the products, I always used to start with like, Briogeo is hair care for all. It's for you. It's for me. It's for her. Mm-hmm. It's for him. Um, Because I actually even remember doing some early um, trainings at Sephora. And the question that I always used to get was, you know, is this an ethnic only line? I used Mm. to get that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so much of my job was to really educate and make sure that, you know, we were creating that messaging through our visuals and through the type of, you know, language that we were using on our site, on social and on the shelf. I'm just realizing as you're talking, it it has been such a divide and you don't even notice it Mm -hmm. necessarily until you, until you were confronted with those types of comments. You're like, no, this is, this is inclusive. Yeah. It's inclusive hair care. Definitely. Right. Yeah. And it was challenging at first because I remember trying to sell into certain retailers and they were just like, you know, we just don't have a large ethnic consumer. I don't know how this is going to do here. And I want to be honest with you. And I had to tell them, well, it's not just for the ethnic consumer. And like, here's why. And it was challenging. Yeah. Um, but I would say that for me, I think one of the most exciting and rewarding milestones is to really see, um, especially through all the different, um, you know, consumer touch points through email, through social, seeing how diverse our customer is. So we love to zero in on the bestseller and the Don't Despair Repair Deep Conditioning Mask. I also love that product um, myself. I really notice a difference when I use it. And I read that it actually underwent clinical studies Mm -hmm. and that um, it showed a 75% reduction in breakage after three uses. How would you say, like, how is that possible when you're not using silicones and you're kind of avoiding like the big six? Yeah. So we are one of the few brands that don't use silicones in our products. Um, I think of silicones as being really like a quick, not even fix, but like a quick band-aid for hair concerns like lack of shine or dryness. Silicones literally just coat the hair cuticle to give the appearance of shine and hydration, but they don't actually do anything um, to fix the problem. So instead of using really cheap silicone alternatives, um, we use blends of really pure and potent Um, natural oils um, and extracts to actually penetrate the hair to deliver hydration and natural shine. Um, And that's something that I've always been a huge proponent of. I actually hate silicones. I hate the way that they make my hair feel. I don't like them in any of my products, whether Mm -hmm. it's body lotion or hair care products. Um, So we're all about um, really addressing the problem. And sometimes that means it takes a little bit longer to see the results. Mm -hmm. What's been cool too to see in hair is this idea of the skinification of hair, treating Mm -hmm. your hair and scalp the same way you would with a really good skincare regimen. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been kind of at the forefront of that. And I will tell you at first, it was really scary launching the way that we did with really just 
shampoos, conditioners, and treatments. We don't have aerosol styling products because uh, we don't use aerosols as part of our commitment to the environment. And I always thought that we would be at a disadvantage because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been really kind of cool to see the shift and how um, our client thinks about hair care. Mm -hmm. Do you have any personal hacks for using that product? So let's describe what it is a bit. It's like in a tub, yes, right? And what's your favorite way to use it? Yeah. So it's like this thick, like pudding consistency, literally, like if you turn the tub over, it just kind of stays in place. (laughs) Um, And one of my hair hacks, and I had been doing this since I was a kid, my mom used to do this, we would make treatments and I would like basically slather my hair in it. And then we would wrap my hair in like saran wrap. And then I would sit like under a dryer. Like we had like one of those old school like salon dryers in our house. And what that would do is the heat would help to uplift the hair cuticle so that all of the nutrients within like these homemade masks could really penetrate into the hair. Um, And I've always kind of been like a believer in that, just letting the ingredients like sink in. Now, are there any ingredients from the masks that you used to make as a kid that you've brought along to the final product today? Oh, yeah. And they're weaved throughout all Briogeo products. So even just basic oils like avocado, jojoba, um, rosehip oils, coconut oils, shea butter. Um, We really use them in every single Briogeo product. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really kind of fun to kind of think that, hey, we were making like these really kind of like basic treatments, but we've been able to kind of take some of that DNA and apply it to more sophisticated, clean products. What is the number one thing that was in a lot of the products that you tested that you were like, we cannot include these ingredients? Like, uh, was there a really big no-no for you personally or... Yeah. And so we actually have a methodology called six free. Mm -hmm. And when I was first working with my chemist, um, we did a lot of research to kind of identify what are the top most commonly used ingredients Mm -hmm. in hair care that have either been linked to health concerns or environmental concerns. Um, So those are things like sulfates, which are harsh detergents that not only strip color, but they can actually cause hair follicle inflammation, which can lead to hair loss over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about silicones already. Um, parabens, which are um, synthetic uh, preservatives that have been linked to um, certain cancer types in certain trials. There's a lot of debate over whether or not parabens are as bad as people Mm -hmm. make them out to be, but Mm -hmm. we say, you know, when there's doubt, leave them out. Um, Phthalates, which are synthetic um, fragrance stabilizers that have been linked to things like hormonal imbalances, endocrine disruptions. Um, And then DEA, which a lot of people don't know about DEA, um, but it's very similar to um, sulfates um, and uh, and that it can cause um, hair follicle inflammation. And then also synthetic dyes. A lot of people do have sensitivities to uh, synthetic dyes. Um, and they don't actually do anything to, you know, create efficacy for the product. So we leave those out as well. Mm-hmm. Great. And then the rose quartz yes. comb <laughs> that broke the internet last oh year. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Tell us everything. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, I remember actually, I was um, one of my good friends, um, she runs uh, Influencer, which is a marketing company that we work with. And she invited me out to like her summer home in the Hamptons that summer. And I was so excited. I'm like, because I hardly ever take vacations, which is like a whole nother story. (laughs) But I was just excited to get away for the weekend. And then that was like, the time when Rose Quartz Comb was blowing up on Instagram and it like ruined my weekend because I was just like on Instagram reading every single comment (laughs) 
Um, but it was actually also the most highest trafficked hair care page at Sephora, I think, for that year. Oh, wow. And so, well, just to kind of start, um, and this is a little bit of a segue, but we recently launched a collection this year called Be Well, which stands for Briogeo Wellness. Um, and I created it because um, wellness is something that's always been integral to my lifestyle. Um, and being clean is not something that's just important to hair care, but I think it's important to an overall, you know, wellness routine and, um, be well really allows us to tell that bigger story. But prior to be well, um, I really wanted to kind of, um, take some of the things that are important to me in my wellness lifestyle, like prayer, meditation, um, using crystals to balance, uh, myself and my energies and how I could apply some of those wellness routines to hair care. Um, and I had this idea. Um, I remember I was like meditating one day with my with my uh, rose quartz that I have at home. And I was like, wow, how cool would it be if I could like, you know, kind of create this scalp and hair self-love regimen by using rose quartz on my scalp um, to kind of bring that same energy. And it was just kind of like this random idea that I had. And um, I talked to my product development team about it. And we started kind of exploring how we could create this rose quartz comb. And um, we created it. And it was really exciting. Um, but it's also a very expensive product mm -hmm. because they were all handcrafted. Um, we only made a couple of hundred of them um, just because of the fact that they were so expensive and um, we wanted to kind of see what the response would be. Will there be a 2.0 of the rose quartz comb? <laughs> I don't think so. However, um, next year as part of Be Well, we will be incorporating um, more crystal inspired products. So oh, not cool. exactly a rose quartz comb, but... Um, more of that uh, kind of vibe into our Be Well collection for sure. Did you get to keep one for yourself? Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I have several actually. Um, I'm still gifting them to friends okay. and family, yeah. but absolutely. Yeah, it's good. And I understand that your Be Well line that you mentioned will evolve into ingestibles later this year. Can you yes. talk about that? Yeah, totally. So, you know, as part of the methodology and reason for, you know, creating Be Well, it's such a bigger story than just hair. It's all encompassing. Um, but I also know just through my study of hair care and through talking to different hair care experts, um, so much of our hair health is based on the products that we use, but it's also based on our diet and the types of, you know, vitamins and mm -hmm. min minerals that we're ingesting um, and all sorts of other things like hormones and stress. And um, there's so many contributing factors. Um, but I have always taken um, different supplement blends myself to make sure that I was feeding my hair the nutrients that it needs to be healthy. Healthy, um, whether it's different omegas um, or biotin, et cetera. I know that so many of my friends look to me for hair care advice. And um, I have a lot of friends <clears throat> to these days that um, are vegan and um, taking fish oil is just not an option for them. Mm. Or um, in my research too of a lot of supplements, um, there are so many brands that kind of take off the shelf formulations from their manufacturers. And there's not a lot of actual thought that's put into how the different vitamins and minerals work together. Right. Um, so we really took things a step further. I actually worked with a certified nutritionist on putting together the ingredient profile to make sure that everything that we were putting into the supplement um, would actually contribute to healthier hair, but that also each of those levels were at the right level where they would make a difference and kind of work together in sync in addition to creating a supplement that is vegan so that everyone could benefit from it. 
Um, so really excited about what's to come. Um, but I think it's just one of kind of the many um, products that we'll create down the line that focus on creating beauty from the inside out. Yeah, that's great. So we want to take a few minutes to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Is it true you can blow dry your hair in 12 minutes flat? Um, yes, <laughs> it is. So if I am going to just blow dry my hair to prep it for styling, um, I can do it in 12 minutes. If I want to blow dry my hair and have it be the final result, that'll probably take closer to like 20 to 22 minutes. But yeah, I can do it pretty quickly. What's your go-to tool hairdryer? I have a Dyson, but I actually don't use it because I have not figured out like the ergonomics of it. It just feels awkward to me. Yeah. So I just use my good old GHD blow dryer that I got at Sephora yeah. and it works well. Mm-hmm. But then it's interesting because um, my left hand doesn't work the way my right hand does. So I have like a whole strategy. When I'm blow drying the right side of my hair, I use a paddle brush because I can grip it better. But on the left side, I use a round brush. Oh, that's a great yeah. tip. I have that struggle as well. I think it's the like struggle is real. The left side always looks good because my right hand, and then on this side, I'm like lost. Yeah, <laughs> just, just yeah. Like, just tuck it behind the ear; it's fine. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and then another thing about hair tools, I read that you set the maximum temperature on your straightener to 340 degrees. Yes. Why so specific, and why not crank it all the way up? Yeah. So um, my straightener actually goes to 410 degrees, which is just insane. Um, And I do have textured hair. So you would think that, you know, I would need to use 410 degrees, but it's actually not the case. Because if I can blow out my hair pretty well, 340, because it goes, it's like two something, which is not going to do much for me, 340, 375, 410. I don't need 410. I don't need 375. 340 is the sweet spot of getting my hair manageable, but then not using too much heat to the point where it's damaging. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why I use that setting. Is there a particular one you like for that? So this is like like this old school straightener that I've had since like high school. I've upgraded it since. Um, but it's, I don't even know how to pronounce it, right? Is it like ba- Babilis? Yeah, oh, yeah. Babilis. Yeah, it's yeah. The, the tourmaline uh, straightener. It's like blue, but it's not ceramic, um, but it's it's like a, it's a tourmaline. Yeah. And that type of metal conducts heat better, but it also adds a lot of shine. And yeah. I just find it to be most effective on my hair type and even, even just for coarser, thicker hair types. Okay, now that we know that you're singing is a passion, what is your go-to karaoke song? Oh my gosh. So when I was in a cover band in college, one of the covers that I did was Like a Virgin by Madonna. I actually do it really, really well. Um, and so I always do that one um, for karaoke. It's just really, really fun. Oh my God, I'm dying to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> and then like probably like Mariah Carey, Always Be My Baby. I was a huge Mariah Carey fan growing up. Yeah. Um, wow. And then, of course, anything Rihanna because I love Rihanna. <laughs> yeah. One last question. What would your mom say if she was looking down at you right now? Oh my goodness. I just know that she would be so, so proud. And I know that she is here with me and she has been an angel um, throughout this whole process. And she Mm -hmm. really has been um, my guiding light. And I just know that she would be so, so proud um, because she worked so hard for everything that she got in her Mm -hmm. life. Nothing was ever handed to, to her. Um, And she always was so passionate and she always had a vision and pursued it 100%. And if I can be a living legacy of that, um, I'm so happy 
Um, but yeah, in one word, I would say proud. Thanks for tuning in. Visit breakingbeautypodcast.com for details on all the damn good products we talked about in today's episode. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That way you'll get every episode delivered right to your inbox. You won't miss a single thing. Or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And please show us some love by rating us or reviewing us in iTunes. See you next time. Like I tell you.